BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Hello, everybody. My name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Tonight, we're going to be discussing the Republican primary debate. We're also going to be discussing Trump's interview with Tucker Carlson. And we'll be discussing the race and where it's at right now, where it's maybe going to be in a couple months from now. So that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And one of the reasons why I wanted to do this is because, you know, first of all, my writing background before getting into like evangelical journalism and stuff like that largely writing on politics and now we get to talk a little bit more about the political angle especially as it relates to you know the evangelical voting block is the most important voting block in the republican party and it's time we start acting like it and treating our vote like it matters treating our vote uh with the leverage that it deserves so these are some of the things that we need to be doing as evangelicals, as Christians as well, and part of stewarding our vote, making sure that we leverage our collective influence to the Republican Party to make it as biblical as it can be. There is no hope for the Democrats. They're a demonic party. Read their party platform. It's demonic. And there's no viable third party alternatives. So this is what we got. And we got to leverage and work the system uh, make the system work for us and not against us. We got to, you know, play the game of politics and win. So that's should be what Republicans are, you know, conservatives and how we steward our vote as Christians. Um, hasn't historically always been that way, though. But last night was a pretty uh, interesting night. We definitely had a tale of two stories. And in this, you know, we had the Trump interview and with tucker carlson which got a lot of buzz on social media and then we had the primary debate which was probably uh the first well i I think the second major event in the republican primary so far the first major event was that uh family leadership summit which is essentially a christian nationalist thing but it's existed long before the label came into popularity so that was the first event that the family leadership summit that happens every year. Uh, Tucker Carlson was the moderator of that, and he did a pretty good job. He pretty much shredded Mike Pence and Asa Hutchinson and their campaigns. Donald Trump did not show to that event, and he did not show up to the debate stage. Um, do you have any spec? What, what's your reason as to why he didn't? I mean, and I don't blame him. One, you don't want to be on a stage with eight other dudes 
and having it be eight on one or even just sharing the sage with eight eight guys and you're only given two hours it has commercial breaks littered throughout and honestly if you are if you believe you are up as much as you believe you are up and again who knows if the polls are even legitimate then why bother showing up and again this has happened in other states where where they had instead of having primary debate or they had primary debates where the leading candidate didn't show up this would be like herschel walker in georgia who had like a 70 percent uh polling number and he didn't even bother to participate in any debate in this primary i mean and you know to herschel walker's credit or lack thereof uh, some of those same people didn't bother to show up for him on election day especially in that recall so, I mean, so, if, you, if you think you're winning as, a good move, so if he thinks he's up as much as he's up, then it, it is no loss to him to not show up. Yeah, uh, I, I definitely see the analysis for that. Uh, we'll, we'll get into the Tucker interview in a second, because I think we should cover that first. And after our, we do it, you'll see why we're going to just get it out of the way. But it. I think it would. I think it was an unforced error by Trump, and th this has been my thought for a while. Like Trump needs to show up to debate, be the guy that people think you are. And part of me thinks that Trump is a lot older than he was in 2016. And if you've seen him on, you know, TV, you know, the Tucker interviews, part of the reason it's he, he sounds a lot older. Yeah, he. I mean, he definitely and, comes across a little flat. And I think he had a little bit of a Joe Biden moment during the uh, Tucker Carlson interview, and I'll, I'll I'll get to that in a moment. But I, I think it was an unforced error because you need to appear as presidential, and by not going to debate, he didn't uh, exactly do that. I I think this was an opportunity. Like, I don't think many primary voters were going to watch his interview on Twitter. Because Twitter is not a proven long-form video content platform. It was also on Rumble. And I don't know if it's on YouTube. I'm sure it is on YouTube. It'd be stupid not to be on YouTube. But that interview is not going to be watched by a whole lot of primary voters. It just isn't. Uh, a lot of these people are not on the internet as much as you and I are. Uh, and it shows. And one special thing is that we did a debate watch party with some activists, local activists last night uh, where we live. So we have some perspectives that I think and some insights from that experience that are worthy of sharing. And it's particularly going to frame our discussion of some of these candidates here. Um, a lot of those people, though, thought that Trump won the debate by not even showing up. I mean, I was one of them. So yeah, you were one of them, but that was the majority consensus that Trump won the debate because the debate was not really well done. And again, and, it's again, he would have been the ninth person, presumably at the center of the stage. And again, for him, I mean, if he, it, let's say he changes his tune and he does debates later on because they got one in September, I believe. Late September. So that means a good portion of that field could be winnowed. So he doesn't have to deal with Asa. He doesn't have to deal with uh, Bert. Right. Uh, eyebrows guy from uh, Burgum or hey, whatever. I, Doug Burgum looks like Al Pacino. He has an A plus physiognomy, and that's the best thing going for him. Yeah, it might have won him his uh, 
his uh, looks like Al Pacino. Uh, and maybe if he looked crazier, he might look like Cosmo Kramer. But you know, positive side looks like Al Pacino. I think that works for him. I think physiognomy, he he works really well there. Um, here's a chat. We're gonna be interacting with a lot of chat today, but this is also going to be a call-in show. So in the stream, in the link below is a link to where you can go and come onto the show. You got to be a supporter over at evangelicaldarkweb.org to do it. But that is your link to getting onto the show. And um, we'd love to have you on if you're a supporter. So uh, these are part of the benefits you pay for, I guess, in supporting Evangelical Dark Web. So I heard the interview. Marshall uh, says, I heard the interview was viewed a hundred million... 180 million times not sure what that means so i've recently learned what twitter counts as a video view and that is like two seconds it auto plays for two seconds and 50 percent of the frame is in in the person's uh like screen that is how low the um that's threshold lower. is for a view on twitter and that's lower than youtube by that like does not even include audio playing that's lower than youtube by like 28 seconds because i think yes. YouTube, youtube is 30 seconds counts as a view so and and those are tweet impressions that doesn't necessarily tell us the twitter the video views but a video view on twitter the threshold is so low that it's very close to just being an impression an eyeball and not necessarily someone watching start to finish so I doubt many people watch that interview start to finish. And I mean, it's Marshall, a it is a vanity uh, metric. So uh, Marshall says, I tried watching the debate. Couldn't do it. Too many memorized lines. Did you try watching that interview? Because we're going to start off with this. So here's kind of my hot take. And again, if you want to uh, come on the show, links below in the description. Just follow the directions and you can come on. Uh that be saying, Tucker Carlson trolled the United States of America. And usually trolling is a good thing. Like, I'm, I'm a fan of trolling. Uh, I think trolling is biblical. Elijah trolled the prophets of Baal. So there, there's a time and a place for trolling. Uh, Tucker Carlson trolled America with that interview. I'm not sure that was the time or the place. But it, it was if you wanted to get back at Fox News. Which, again, he, he has justifiable reasons for wanting to screw with his employer. I don't think it worked, though. Uh, because, again, the people watching the primary debate aren't the same people on Twitter. Like, these are two... Or the people who are Republican primary uh, voters are not the people on Twitter. Like, Twitter is entirely a different ecosystem. It's not really a real place. And we'll talk about that more uh, with a different candidate. But Tucker Carlson trolled the United States of America. He said he announced an interview with Donald Trump. And what we didn't really get was an interview with Donald Trump. This is just two people chatting in a, you know, they could have been in a bar for all we know. And we just have a camera on their, uh, we have a camera on their conversation. And that's what it was. It wasn't an interview whatsoever. No, uh, not one, not one in-depth question was asked. Uh, I mean, there was than... one substantive question asked in the forty-third about... minute oh. about what oh. Trump's priority in the next term would be. Oh, what but... about the Civil War? Might have been uh, interesting, but it wasn't really. It was a non. -answer. It wasn't. It was a conversation. It wasn't an interview for a candidate. Yeah, it, it was. 
like, here's the thing about Tucker Carlson. He's had multiple week interviews. He's had multiple week sauce interviews, particularly with Andrew and Tristan Tate. He gave them complete softballs and they're human traffickers. They're pretty evil people. I mean, Vivek was weak. RFK, RFK was allowed to basically say that if you're against immigration because you don't want uh, because you have a nationalistic identity or identity, or you don't want those people diluting uh, your country, then you're a racist xenophobe. He actually said that in Tucker's interview and wasn't called out for it because he has compassion. He pulls a Tim Keller. You know, I'm, I'm against illegal immigration because I have compassion. That's what RFK said with Tucker. Tucker didn't really do anything to confront that. So, I mean, the week interviews have been pretty routine. Yeah. Um, so, with that said, one of the things, here, here's the first note that I had from the, the Trump interview, because I was bored through it. And the first note that I had was, so Trump actually believes Jeffrey Epstein killed himself? I mean, he's that guy. I mean, maybe I'll I'll put on my Shannon Joy hat and basically say because she, she's one that will throw Trump under the bus for having a picture taken with Jeffrey Epstein. So I don't like. I'll just put my Shannon Joy hat on and uh, maybe go there. Like maybe he's uh he's playing coverage. I mean, that's my conspiracy theory for the evening. I mean, I don't. I mean, if anything, he could have thrown. William Barr onto the bus even more. Yeah, he could have just said we should have found an answer, to, a definite answer to that. Instead, like there wasn't really an investigation, as Trump alluded to, and I, I just think the idea that he just chose the magical time to kill himself. Yeah, I mean, he basically said, "Well, he had a lot of dirt on a lot of people. He was going to lose his lifestyle." These aren't and, reasons to kill yourself. These are reasons I mean, to whack somebody. Sam Bankman-Fried hasn't whacked him whacked himself so no he hasn't uh so that was like my first takeaway from the interview it's like wow trump's really out of touch with his own like meme culture base i just thought that was interesting like the twitter culture that is you know very dominant of the media narrative surrounding this election cycle <laughs> you know they probably all believe jeffrey epson didn't kill himself but here I mean, is saying if, the opposite of that it's there fascinating if there was ever a moment to say maybe uh trump is a little bit more connected with epstein than than previously believed that was it because why uh, why would he why wouldn't he even just say i don't i don't know well but instead he doesn't actually he affirmatively said he doesn't think it so okay that, second takeaway our second major highlight from the interview is that Trump w just went in an entire loop on the Panama Canal, repeating the exact thing that he said. Uh, every single talking point that he made about the Panama Canal, he made at least twice. Um, as though he forgot what he said. Oh, he sold it for a dollar to China or something. He said that at least three times. Yeah. Is that even true? Uh, to Panama. And then oh. Panama got it taken over by China. Which is just more about Chinese foreign policy and how they're trying to take over all these, you know, non-Westernized countries. Um, so that's one of my thoughts. Uh, and then right after he went after, uh, talked about the repeating himself on the Panama Canal, 
he went after Joe Biden a little bit for the dementia thing. He didn't go quite far enough into it because he clicked. He he was starting to go after him for you know dementia Joe, but he completely sidetracked on something else. And said uh, calling even, him crooked Joe or something because yeah, mean. and I, I was kind of surprised by that because. The, the irony was overwhelming that he just kind of seemed to have a senior moment talking about the Panama Canal, but then was about to attack Joe Biden for having a senior, for being a senior. I, I, I thought that was a little ironic, but he didn't quite finish his attack on Joe Biden. He kind of veered off in the different subject. Yeah, I mean, doing the whole I retired crooked Hillary and uh, transferred it onto Joe Biden I mean, that's that was very boring. I mean, I sped up the interview as I went on, even though I was you know, doing my job at the time. So it, it wasn't even good work, working sound. It, it was just that boring. No, it was not. Um, and then finally, it was it took Tucker Carlson and this is Tucker Carlson's fault, really. It took him 43 minutes to ask a substantive question. 43 minutes, and it was about what Trump would do in his second term guaranteed. Trump answered with uh, immigration, border security. I thought that was a decent answer by Trump um, for the question that he was asked. He did not. He only got asked one substantive question the entire interview that mattered with regards to the 2024 election. And if you and look at the, right with it. if you look at the interview questions he gave at the Family Leadership Summit, he asked about Ukraine. Didn't even like that's. Of all things, Tucker should be obsessed with. He did not even bring up Ukraine or Zelensky. Yeah. Uh, and that's odd. Tucker didn't bring up a lot of his pet issues. He didn't bring up uh, he didn't bring up immigration. He didn't bring up uh, the Ukraine war, like you just said. He didn't bring up anything regarding big pharma. He didn't bring up Anthony Fauci. He didn't bring up lockdowns. He didn't bring up the vaccine mandates and all that other stuff. I mean, he didn't bring country. up any of his pet issues. I mean, he did it as much as Fox did for the pharma stuff. Yeah. So I thought that was a strange interview by Tucker. I think, and I don't want to psychoanalyze Tucker, but if we look at from a business standpoint, he doesn't have secure footing. And he is becoming, he's more competing with Joe Rogan than he is Fox News. He used to be able to leverage his platform on Fox News to get people on and then just eviscerate them. He did that to Asa Hutchinson. He did that to Christy Nome. He did that to a bunch of politicians, particularly right after they did something stupid. He'd have them on. They'd go on Tucker Carlson and then get just knocked out by them. And that's what Tucker Carlson was great at. But with him in, as an independent, he can't exactly leverage a hostile interview as well. That's much harder for him to land because it's not Fox News. It's not that Fox News audience. There's a very uncertain audience that he has. You don't really know what the real numbers are. Uh, and then it's going to be a lot more of an echo chamber type of audience, which isn't necessarily bad in and of itself. But these are some he has given multiple softball interviews. He's not the place to go to for hard uh cutting interviews anymore i just think that's that's a disappointment in my mind and it's far different than him doing his monologues which is how he began his whole twitter experiment was basically doing a 10 to 15 minute monologue that was actually you know profound interesting 
probably some content that was similar to what he would actually deliver on Fox. But I mean, the long form interviews, it just seems very self-indulgent, very ego driven. I mean, and he's not even trying to like help. He's not even trying to do anything for a movement. He's just kind of doing his own thing. And I guess, and to some extent, he's just following the trends. I mean, everyone, everyone and their mother on a, who has a major podcast has had Vivek on. Yes. And we'll talk more about Vivek. I have a whole thing on Vivek that we'll talk about. But uh, uh, if you are on, if you're joining us, uh, I just want to say smash the like button to help with those magical YouTube algorithms uh, and subscribe if you're new. Um, so th two things. Uh, just a little housekeeping. And again, if you want to join the show, there's a link in the description below. EvangelicalDarkWeb.org slash Green Room. you got to be a supporter to get on. That is our screening process. And, you know, just got to agree with the rules that are in the page. You know, basic stuff. So anyway, uh, I, I didn't think that was a good interview for Trump because I don't think that helps his campaign. No, it didn't. I, I mean, I don't think... No, I, no, I do think it could hurt his campaign. Well, it, it's, it doesn't, it hurts him because it doesn't help him. He's like neither him nor Tucker were actually trying to sell a Donald Trump 2024 presidency. Trump was just rehashing a lot of stuff, and of course, as you said, senior amendment, very dry, bland, boring, and you know, doing some of his old traits, but not really exciting. It's not your 2016 Donald Trump. No. And Tucker was just basically, you know, self-indulgent, you know, kind of just, he's not he even trying kinda, to. He was kind of in the back of the room there. There wasn't a whole lot of Tucker in that interview, in that conversation. I mean, Tucker didn't even do like a, I'm formally endorsing Donald Trump for 2024. And this is my list of reasons why. And doing like a 10 minute monologue and then do, basically doing the Steve Gase approach for endorsing DeSantis. Like, I wouldn't even mind if the, the questions were softball and then Trump did really well. The question, the problem is the questions weren't really anything. Yeah, I mean. They, they, there weren't substantive, nothing. There's one question about 2024 in the election. Everything else was just like, you know, we just brought on, uh, say, Newt Gingrich to talk about, you know, his tenure in the House of Representatives. It was kind of on that level. You bring in someone on to talk about their past. Yeah, it's not. It was not a sales pitch for Donald Trump, which you would think it would be. Like, yes, and especially audience. since it didn't necessarily cover the highlights of his presidency, it covered just you know, you got to see who Trump is as a person, which is good. But I think most people already know and kind of have an understanding of who Trump is as a person. Like, there's very few people that are undecided on their opinion versus on Donald Trump. Very few people undecided on that. So I, I don't think it helps them. I think there could, I don't think there's a single person that says, you know what? I really like uh, Ron DeSantis I, until I watched that interview that Trump did with Tucker Carlson. And now that's my guy. Like, I don't think that person exists. I mean, the primary is currently Donald Trump's to lose. But I'm not sure there's a person that exists that says, I watched that interview with Do Donald Trump and now I'm switching teams. Maybe that person exists. It's more likely that that person exists, but I'm not sure how much that exists. If they want, if they could get through that entire interview, um, I don't think they're going to switch sides after that. I mean, I don't think anyone's switching either from the debate performances or the 
interview with Tucker Carlson, which is why, again, I reiterate my, you know, I, I, I voted I, I'll for I'll disagree Trump on the debate, but I think that covers, uh, you know, the Tucker Carlson interview part. Again, that was a very substantive list, substantive list, whatever, substance-free interview. There was nothing there. Um, it, it's not going to make, it's not going to move the needle in Trump's direction. Uh, but now I want to move on to the debate. And I wrote a column last night. This was my post-debate column was that Fox News fumbled the first Republican primary debate. Fox News did a terrible job. They were amateurs. They completely unprofessional. Brett Baer and was it Martha McCollum? McCollum? McCallum? She, like she was terrible. They were both terrible. Um, I award them no points and may God have mercy on their souls as the famous line from uh, Billy Madison or yeah, Billy Madison goes. Uh, yeah, Brett Baer and Martha McCallum. Um, they were ta tasked with moderating this debate and they showcased the lack of talent that Fox News is left with in a post-Tucker world. Like it would have been much more interesting to see Tucker Carlson do that debate. Instead, we had to see uh, Brett Baer do it. He took the helm on it for the most part. And they did not do a good job. They continuously, uh, I mean, part of the reason was going into the debate, the RNC set the standards very low for entry. Yeah, I mean, again. There's that's... a very low bar for entry in that debate. 1% in the polls, you need a, a bunch of donors from different states and stuff like that. And then 1% in the polls. Like, and I don't know how much of that is, you know, margin of error and how much of that is rounding. But Doug Burnham, I, I'm not sure he should have been there. Uh, I do not like Larry Elder was like the debate that you know conservative media is having, but and again, if most Larry, people don't know who Larry Elder is. Yeah, I mean, if Larry Elder that. wanted to be on that stage, he's the reason he's not. I mean, he announced his candidacy on pretty early, actually. No, I he announced it the day or the day of Trump's in, uh, first indictment, I think. So and he Trump did it was, on Tucker Carlson's show. So, you know, Trump gets indicted the same time Larry Elder announces. So that took all the oxygen out of his room, out of his balloon, so to speak. And he never really did anything. Yeah. He never really attempted to recover. Okay, you went on the breakfast club. Uh, Who cares? Republicans don't watch that. Exactly. So the Larry Elder announces his candidacy on Tucker Carlson's show and then shows up in like, you know, very few polls. He is a complete astroturf creation of conservative ink. But he is conservative ink. He is conservative ink, and they're just helping their homeboy. That, that's how I view that. His campaign wasn't real. I've not heard of him doing like any events, any major events in any of these states. I mean, he uh, wasn't at the family leadership summit. He wasn't at the family leadership summit. He was. I don't think even they if they even didn't, invited him. Even if they didn't invite him, it's his fault for not even being warranting an invitation. RFK was invited and didn't go or didn't yeah. even respond. So, so the, these things, uh, matter, uh, Asa Hutchinson had no business being on that stage. Didn't have the poll numbers. You know, I guess they found a way to launder money uh, and, to get and, him on that debate stage. And that's why it's a good move for Trump not to go on a debate stage with a bunch of non-series candidates who have 1% polling numbers. You know, it's kind of like the Joker. You know, if you want to have a serious conversation, here's my card. 
And, you know, you're not really having a serious conversation when you have Asa Hutchinson and Doug Burgum on the stage, same stage as Donald Trump. Right. Let me adjust some chat. Uh, Formosan bear, black bear, Formosan, that's uh, Taiwan, right? Uh, um, Trump did a careful interview. He's tied up in court and his lawyer might have been overcautious. I think that's true, but... I mean, he Tucker's hasn't... the one asking the questions and Tucker didn't. And if you're talking about 2024 policy, there, there's no reason that lawyers have to be overly cautious. If you're talking about what you're going to do in the future and not relitigating the past, you don't actually need to be cautious as much. I mean, they, and they did spend some of their time. OK, I called it. OK, cool. But they did spend some of their time relitigating January 6th during the Tucker interview, right so. that's actually worse for his court case so uh <clears throat> and then uh, uh brian says a republican is someone who will take you by the arm through a long path and at the end of the path he turns to you and tells you he's going to throw you off a cliff i think there's a lot of that in the republican party for sure that's one of the problems that's why i think you know evangelicals got to take over the republican party that's what we should be doing. No, I mean, and the one of the let's key, have an outsized influence. I mean, one of the keys is the the willingness to say we're not going to vote for you, and we'd rather torpedo you than give you another term in office. So I think that's that's one of the levers of power that needs to be used. Is we're going to not vote for you. We're going to boycott the election, and that needs to be an attitude that you don't vote for lesser two evils, and you're willing to say, hey, we'd rather you lose, right? And them win. Right, because they do that to our, to our candidates. If a conservative gets elected, there'll be a segment of liberals, liberal Republicans, who will refuse to vote for that president, for that guy, because they believe in leveraging their vote as well. So Larry Elders on Epic TV from Mason Black Bear says, uh, Fox is turning into CNN, so they don't want to they don't want Epic TV hosts to get publicity. That makes sense, but I think it's the RNC that has the ultimate decision, not Fox News. So they're the televising rights. Okay, so moving on in the article, I, I, I talked about how they did not moderate the debate at all. Like, if someone's going over time, you cut off their microphones. You should have a button, you should have a panel, and you can just click someone's microphone and cut them off if they want to go oh, five, ten seconds over You can time. program it. You could do that, too. I think it's easier to hit a button because it's a I mean, judgment the S call. The SBC programmed it. Paragraphs after going over. Uh, Tim Scott, especially. Uh, he, he, speaker. They, they dinged him twice uh, on, on one instance. And he wasn't even saying anything substantive. No, he, he wasn't. Was he was just babbling. It's like you're, he's filibustering himself. Uh, we will get into polling from the uh, debate. So there are some poll numbers out from the debate from debate watchers. So that'll be interesting to review. I just want to cover the Fox news angle. And secondly, Fox news had prepared gotcha questions as follow-ups to certain candidates, not all the candidates. Uh, I think that Fox news was actually going for Vivek in, in some way, not going for, but like kind of favoring him because they didn't ask him any gotcha questions. They didn't ask him about his flip-flopping record. They didn't ask Vivek about uh, his, his book and as it relates to his thoughts on january the 6th they didn't ask him those questions chris christie brought it up in, in passing and we'll play those clips 
uh, we'll play some Chris Christie on Vivek action because I thought that was one of the most exciting moments of the debate stage. But uh, but they also had a thing with uh, Ron DeSantis. They had a quick follow up about him in Miami crime rates like they had that ready to go on Chris Christie. They just magically knew uh, something about the bond rating of New Jersey getting downgraded. I keep in mind, Chris Christie, they, been... they magically had that stat ready. And Chris Christie's been out of office for what, 10 years now? Uh, yeah, it's been a long time. So it's not even a re it's not like you just pulled, went to Moody's website and pulled you up. You would what have had to have gone is. back to when he was governor of New Jersey, which I thought started in 2013 or maybe 2009. So I'm not super familiar. Uh, so that those are my thoughts. They had some gotcha questions, but they only had gotcha questions ready for certain candidates. And those candidates do include Ron DeSantis. And it also includes Chris Christie. It did not include, I don't think it included Nikki Haley. Uh, I mean, and it didn't include not uh, Tim Vivek Scott. either. Tim Scott well, wasn't. Tim I mean, Scott. And but he, Asa Hutchinson were hardly asked any questions. I mean, Tim Scott, the easy follow-up is to ask him about that first step act he sponsored that let all the criminals out of jail. And then, the, the, you know, the guilt, you know, letting drug dealers out of jail, federal prisons. And then you have the summer of love happen. So could have followed up with that. But actually, no, he got asked to gotcha on his voting record on spending. But okay, I mean, that's yeah. that's. That's for the territory if you're in the and, and then Congress. we got some chat on Larry Elder. Yes, too bad Larry Elder was not allowed to be there. I I am uh heard heard views because of one of the uh Trump sponsored polls and Rasmussen poll, which yeah, I don't trust a lot of these national polls because if you see a poll that Biden is at 38%, just throw that poll in the garbage. Like Trump 44, Biden 38, like throw that in the garbage. There's no way that Biden's getting that low on, uh, at the national level. It's not happening. No way. Uh, just throw that poll in the garbage. Uh, and then Andrew Costa says, Larry Elder is pro-trans. Forget him. That's a... Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's libertarian. So that's... Yeah, I it's didn't, I, didn't know, I didn't know he'd go that far, but yeah, and he was pro-gay marriage. Some some would say that he sab he sabotaged the recall effort on gavin newsom because they made conservative media just made the race all about him and the media made him all made it all about him and you know the black white black face of white supremacy thing it just could have been a distraction from the effort to recall gavin newsom uh, that, that's what some people think I, I think that's an interesting debate to have uh, i'm not sure where i land on it quite so but i don't think california was going to let gavin newsom go they just He's their gift that keeps on giving, I guess. Uh, so with that said, the most damning thing about the Fox News interview or debate was that they asked trap questions from a liberal perspective. Like these whole raise your hand if questions, those are traps. It is, you know, just they're trying to get candidates to either go liberal or step on the banana and Ron DeSantis was kind of calling this out. Like he gets criticized for not answering, but that's a trap question. You don't fall into the trap. Better to get criticized for not answering the question than to get labeled a climate well, denier. I mean, I because think... you raised your hand and didn't 
and, and gave them a sound, gave the liberal media a soundbite that they can use against you rather than articulate the same position in a more, you know, reasonable fashion. I just think that was a very, well, he like, doesn't, they were asking trap questions from a liberal perspective. He doesn't fall for the banana on the climate change, but he does on the Trump part. Uh, was it the Trump pardon or the, no, the, the um, Mike Pence question, the Mike Pence question. So he completely steps on that rake. Like he stepped on the rake on the, on the supporting of the nominee, which was a raise your hand. He stepped on the rake with the, the Mike Pence and even the Ukraine one where he's very slow to raise his hand. It's almost like he's looking around. I mean, and maybe that's he's a, slow. To yes. Raise and I think hands. that was his, I think his moment on Ukraine was actually his worst moment in the debate. Yes. Because However, he, the, the hands up questions that Fox News was doing, those are bad questions, should not be doing that nonsense. I mean, he should have and taken. That's, again, we're talking about Fox News at the moment. We'll get into the candidates in a second. Like he should have taken the control and then said, I was the one that offered amnesty for Trump. For, or to not extradite him to New York. Like he should have just thrown that card. I offered him protection. Okay. Uh, Charles says, I almost fell out of my chair when the moderators, moderators framed abortion as a losing issue. Like, again, they were asking very liberal questions. Why are we spending any time on climate change in a Republican primary debate? Do Republicans care about that issue? No, it's not a top 10 issue for Republicans. Why is it being you know, given 15, 20 minutes of airtime, it's not a top 10 issue. I mean, every person who's big on climate change as a issue is already voting against you. Exactly. Like that, they, they had that one dude from young Americans for freedom or whatever. Yaff. Like and, and you tell those kids to grow up and you say three years ago, people were all afraid of COVID. Look how that turned out. Fears were overblown. Then fears are overblown now. That's your answer to the question. You don't do the hands up thing. You ask the candidates to answer that question, the answer to the direct question. And then you give that answer that I just said. Tell the kids to grow up and stop being afraid. Um, my opinions on that. Uh, let me check the uh, rumble for uh, live chats because I am not checking there at the moment. So th those are my thoughts. Uh Okay, we do got some rumble chats. If you guys watch a Trump rally, he does repeat himself multiple times. Uh, I think it's part of his reputation. Uh, repetition is how you make people remember. Uh, he also said he would support uh, deport 100,000 illegals. That's pretty based. Uh, and yes, we are still on YouTube. Uh, yes. So just uh, catching up with the Rumble chat, because we are live streaming on YouTube, Rumble, Twitch, and Twitter. So we are live on four platforms. Uh, so those were my criticisms with Fox, and the, the moderators did an amateurish job. They were completely unprofessional. This is like the third debate in a row that Fox is flubbed. Like, they did bad at the uh, presidential debate in the general election in 2020 as well. Chris Wallace was the moderator of that, and he was completely unprofessional. Yeah, he was basically turned. I mean, Trump lost that. It was the only person in the world that could lose debate to Joe Biden, but obviously he, he, he won it with Hispanics, but it didn't really help him with any other demo. 
So let's talk about the candidates. Uh, Doug Burnham. Let's talk about him for a second. Like I already said, he looks like Al Pacino. I actually thought uh, he barely qualified for the debate. He had to give out $20 gift cards to get the fundraising threshold. Pretty good. Pretty smart plan, actually. So he spent $20 to get $1. And he did pretty well. And he injured himself in a basketball game earlier that day. I thought he did pretty well. Does he win the debate? No. But physiognomy check, he looked good. Uh, kind of looks like Al, Al Pacino. And I, I thought he... I, I'm pretty sure he's a rhino governor, like a heavily rhino governor. But at the same time, he didn't sound like one in the same way that a lot of the other candidates did. So I thought he did some he did he was one of the better performances that night and i didn't expect that and, uh, except for the fact that he's kind of like john Kasich. john john Kasich had no business being in the 2016 primary debate uh he found some magical polling to do, to get in there and that's how he was in there um again the the bar is too low that these people can get on it uh you have any thoughts on doug burnham I mean, it's kind of trying to think. Let me pull up my notes to see if I have anything. I mean, he banned vaccine passports. Uh, okay. He actually vetoed tranny madness. I thought that was a or, gnome. I thought he. I thought he was one of the first states to actually protect women's sports, and he brought that up in the debate. Uh, maybe. I mean, maybe so, I something wrong I, I thought he did well there. Again, one of the issues that did not come up in the debate was transgenderism. Oh, no, he did ban. Oh, I don't know. Uh, but he, so, he, I mean, he did, uh, he did well on COVID, relatively speaking. Um, relatively speaking, I, which should be more. So, Doug Bur uh, Berman, uh, Doug Burgum, or whatever. I mean, he's kind of a uh, middle of the road governor, so it's not like. Yeah, I mean, he's he, he had very little name ID going into this debate. We'll talk about that in the polling numbers that came out. But I don't think he did terrible. I was kind of surprised by that. Asa Hutchinson, he did bad. I think he did the worst. He had zero moments. He got booed at least once. And he's just awful. I mean, he I, actually does bring up the salient issue that Trump could be kicked off of a ballot. But yeah. he's the wrong guy to deliver that message. That's why he's running, though. He announced when he was running that you you can't have Trump, you know, Trump's indicted or whatever. That That's Asa Hutchinson's uh, reason for running is because he t doesn't think Trump's qualified to be president anymore. I mean, he literally comes across as a prosperity preacher. Uh, Yellowmouth his... says Christie did the worst. He went from zero to negative one. I think Asa Hutchinson did worse because... Chris Christie at least had some moments. I mean, Chris Christie at least, you know, had a... He did nothing to help him out, though. But here's the thing about Chris Christie. He attacks other people and doesn't benefit himself, but he does benefit other candidates. Uh, so let's actually go to that. I'm going to pull up... Uh, I'm going to pull up some clips of Chris Christie. Christie Cream. And and I don't even know why he's even running other than as a 
like a middle finger to Donald Trump. But people are dying of bad. All right, you can hear the screen. Bad climate change policies than they are of actual climate right, change. Governor, Governor right, Haley, are you bought the paid for? Down by hold on, hold on. Listen, listen, no, listen. No, Let, no, wait, no, hold no. on, hold I've on. I've had enough. I've had enough already tonight of a guy who sounds like ChatGPT standing up here. And the last person in one of these debates, Brett, who stood in the middle of the stage and said, What's a skinny guy with an odd last name doing up here was Barack Obama, and I'm afraid we're dealing with the same type of amateur standing on stage tonight. Come over and give me a hug. <laughs> give me a hug just same, like you did to Obama. The same type of amateur. And, and you'll help elect me just like you did to Obama, too. Give me that the same hug, type of amateur. Hold on. So what I found strange was that uh, Chris Christie did not uh, – he, he had a net cheer on that event. There was a net applause compared to booze uh, for what Chris Christie did in going after Vivek. Now, again, he's not going to take votes away from Vivek and get them to himself, but he could siphon votes off from Vivek and give them to, say, Ron DeSantis. I mean, I do think the audience in that room, thats it should be noted that that's not a sample of the base. It's a sample of certain donors. I think that's a fair critique, but there was, so, there was a lot no, of MAGA in that crowd. There was some, but you should like when they talk about whether Pence, Pence got net cheers on the question of J6 and whether he had the right. Chris, to and, you was, Chris, Chris, Chris. and the crowd cheered Pence doing the right thing. Yeah, that is true. So that does give you a little bit of insight as to what that crowd was. That was not Trump's people predominantly. I want to play this, but how do you think it looks for Vivek Ramaswamy to use an Obama line in a Republican debate? I mean, it certainly comes across as slimy and hypocritical after he did the, everyone got their talking points out of the way. They're, you know, they're pre-programmed canned uh, talking points out of the way or whatever he said. So you're just a hypocrite because you got your own pre-programmed. He is the pre-programmed talking point, like everything, everything he's done. He's, he knows what audience he's in and he's trying to be the MAGA. He's trying to be the MAGA candidate. I don't think it's going to work. Um, and because again, he didn't come across as presidential at all in this debate. He might sell better with younger people. He does. Sell I better don't, with I don't people. know whether boomers would buy into his shtick. Okay. So, mm. and that's the thing last night, you know, we were with the, again, we were with some activists watching this debate with local Republican activists. No one thought that Vivek won this debate. None of them. Like there was someone who thought Chris Christie won the debate. But there was not anyone who thought that Vivek won the debate. I mean, again, I would say. It's, it's not the Twitter crowd that Vivek doesn't realize this and he's going to learn the hard way. When he comes in single digits in Iowa, that Twitter is not real life, and that this this won't work for the this won't work for the pro- average primary voter. Uh, we'll talk okay. about his polling numbers. I would from say this debate though, Vivek and DeSantis did the best, but I'm also under thirty. And again, I again, do boomer are boomers more pro war than Vivek Ramaswamy? Probably. 
probably a lot of the a lot of the issues he appeal he appeals to younger people on he probably does not appeal to older people on that's Except for one. climate change allegedly so but well, he lied there yeah he does he does lie he he objectively lied about his position on climate change or he objectively lied in the past and told the truth here but which one is it so he's flip-flopped on this issue so we're going to play this clip Chris, and you as By a prosecutor the way, should know better. Yeah, I, you know what? I know a lot There's better. There's a difference between I bad know, behavior. And I know a lot better than you do. You've never done it like you've never done anything to try to advance the interests of this government except to put yourself forward as a candidate tonight. Chris, and you as By a the prosecutor way, should... So what do you think of that clip? I this mean... was during the uh, Trump thing. Uh, they're discussing the Trump indictment. I mean, he doesn't have the worst. Mem- Mike Pence has the worst moment in that on that question as far as pardoning Trump. But yeah, I mean, he kind of throws his prosecutorial career in his face again. I don't know who Chris Christie is appealing to unless it's like the really rhino crowd. But well, I mean, Nikki Haley's, you know, couple people down the down the row. I mean, maybe he's going to pat- surpass Tim Scott with the. See, like the thing is. Uh, Chris Christie's only hurting Vivek Ramaswamy there. And it's not with the Twitter crowd. The Twitter crowd likes uh, Vivek Ramaswamy dunking on Chris Christie. The average Republican voter hates Chris Christie. But they see Vivek and they're like, you know, Chris Christie has a point. He's never actually done anything in government. He's He, he has no record on public policy. He has no record on accomplishments in government. And the more they look, the more they look into his record and Chris Christie pointed this out. It's not in this clip that Vivek Ramaswamy had something completely different to say about January 6th in his own book. So I, I thought because I thought this was a more positive moment for Chris Christie, but he also had one of his worst moments right prior to this clip. So I, I got to be fair on that. So we're talking about Chris Christie. Uh, Boomer is pro-war, but not if the money is going to reduce the Republican majority through digital currency fraud. So we got some limitations, uh, according to Formosan Black Bear, uh, to how pro-war uh, the Boomer is going to be. Uh, Yellow Moth says, Christie is obviously in it for the money, money laundering via book deal and yeah, I mean, he got called out for that by Vivek. Yeah, I, there's a reason why someone with no chance runs for president. It's to advance their career, because and same with Vivek Ramaswamy though. There, he knows, you know, he's not going to win this primary. He knows that. I mean, to me, Vivek, like if you look at the Vivek versus Christie, I think Christie damages Vivek with older people but helps him with younger people. But I do think there's a bifurcation between generation, like a generational split between how the generations will interpret their exchanges. Cause younger people probably favor Vivek, even if they think, Oh yeah, he took a couple punches, but you know, he's showing it to the fat guy on the stage. Yeah. But and older people are going to say, yeah, uh, you know, who votes in the primary? Yeah. And that's also that's, something that's where he's going to get the reality check is the people that he's appealing to do not vote in the primary. So those are Chris Christie's highlights. Uh, again, not a whole lot, but that's 
where we're at. Uh, who do you want to talk about next? We could talk about Mike Pence or Nikki Haley. Actually, let's talk about both of them. I got a clip with both of them, and it's on the abortion issue, where Mike Pence he quoted a lot of Bible last night. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, it's bi- his Bible thumping just makes me want to thump my head into a wall because you know he he and he's the like it comes across as disingenuous. I don't know who who's buying that that shtick in 2023. This isn't 1980 where you can say one thing to a crowd and then say completely different statement to a different crowd and since there's no cameras in the room you can just completely be two different people now i think that there was someone who saw, thought that mike pence won the debate last night i could be wrong I'd, I'd have to check my notes um but there's someone who said that mike pence won the debate or had them as a second choice so which i thought was odd but again we, we talked to different types of Republicans last night. None of them said that Vivek won the debate. Uh, one person said Chris Christie won the debate. Um, this debate on abortion, though, like, is Nikki Haley just pro-abortion? Yeah, I mean, pretty much. Uh, is there any other way to look at her than just being pro-abortion? I mean, she, she just out- campaigned on abortion being a losing issue. Now, again, I think most of them if not all of them botched the abortion thing like who's going to be like hey we're going to make sure that facilities that do abortion don't get medicare medicaid funding i might not be able to ban it in california but i'll basically use the government facilities to the the power of the sword that i have to ban it as much as possible like who's going to do that uh no one no one brought that up so yellow says nikki haley had the cringe like of the night uh with that woman get it done thing yes let's talk about that um what has nikki haley ever done if women get it done and men just talk what has nikki haley ever done uh she leaves she is a great quitter she quit on her state of south carolina she was governor and she basically abandons her state to be a glorified press secretary on the international stage as the u.n ambassador that is a worthless job that is less powerful than a South Carolina governor. That's a downgrade. I so, said that at the time too. So, and you only did that for two years. So you yeah, and she thought she could sell Trump high and advance her political career by running for you know twenty twenty four. No, I, I I honestly think she thought Trump would be impeached and so didn't want to get caught up in the flack. So therefore, she, she was selling basic, her Trump stock. Yes. So therefore, she could actually. She and I think her her move was to anticipate a 2020 open primaries that she could cash in on. But that I mean, that's just my speculation at the time. But she quits on Trump administration. Then she goes to Boeing. She proceeds to see the worst decline in Boeing's stock during covid. And then she abandons Boeing's board. And that stock was at like four hundred plus dollars and dropped to one hundred and twenty some as the pandemic hit and I lost my butt on that stock and she was on the board and she quit on them too. So, I mean, she's literally quit on every single thing. And, and again, Vivek made that comment about her going to the boards of Raytheon and uh, Lockheed Lockheed Martin. Yeah. So he made that comment, which apparently was accurate. Uh, Andrew Costa Haley was the, was most obnoxious by far. Uh, a Newsmax guest said that, Pence, a federal guess said Pence, a federal congressman instead of what uh, Pence, vice president, I guess. So I, I thought Nikki Haley did really bad.
bad in the debate, but apparently a lot of the internet thought she did good. And just she, going back to the question of what has she ever done? She tore down statues before Black Lives Matter made it cool. That's what she's done. I will say she did have a good moment touting the debt. Though, again, it's not necessarily credible, but it was a well-articulated criticism of yeah, Trump's she, being she a massive She didn't name the spender. CARES Act, but she was right to call out the Republican spending on the Trump administration. That was her highlight of the night. But she's Best clip by far, but she was pro-abortion. And I, I, I wonder whether she's had an abortion. I mean, she's a Chamber of Commerce person talking about, you know, Republicans spend too much money. I mean, you know, pot, calling the kettle black here. And that's for life as governor. So I, I want to watch this exchange where Mike Pence, you know, we can go into Mike Pence after this. This is his highlight of the night. He just freaking wrecks her. For life as governor and as vice president. And uh, to be honest with you, Nikki, you're my friend, but uh, consensus is the opposite of leadership. When the Supreme Court returned this question to the American people, they didn't just send it to the states only. It's not a states only issue. It's a moral issue. And I promise you, as president of the United States, the American people will have a champion for life in the Oval Office. Can't we have a minimum standard in every state in the nation that says when a baby is capable of feeling pain, an abortion cannot be allowed? A 15-week ban is an idea whose time has come. It's supported by 70% of the American people. But it's going to... So I thought that... That was Mike Pence's strongest moment where he talked about leadership. Uh, he uh, he completely wrecked Nikki Haley, who is functionally and I would say rhetorically pro-abortion, who wanted to be a feminist on the issue. And she wants to come to a common consensus that's outside of the bounds of scripture. Oh, she's on just this like, issue. well, you know, don't Democrats will agree to that. Uh, like they're No, they won't. No, they're not going to negotiate. It's in their party platform. To support abortion with no restrictions. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to negotiate. And if she thinks she if she thinks they will negotiate, then she's a fool. Why why would they give up what they already have? Why would why would Joe Biden negotiate with with uh, Kevin McCarthy on spend, congressional spending? Just relax and let Kevin McCarthy send the spending bill through with no no or minimal concessions, like. You don't need to negotiate when your enemy is just going to capitulate. And that's what, how the Democrats have operated for pretty much a generation at this point, probably even longer. You know, just don't budge. I mean, here's the thing about Mike Pence, though. He is actually a good debater. Like, he wrecked Kamala Harris. I think, supposedly, I never watched the debate, but supposedly he held his own against Tim Kaine in 2016. He's a good debater. Here's the other thing about Mike Pence. His record is awful. His record is trash, and there is no real excuse for it. So th there's no getting around that, and you just kind of view him with contempt. And when while Oliver Anthony was giving Bible verses, saying the Bible, you know, before his concert or whatever, you're like, okay, when Mike Pence is giving the, you know, saying and speaking the Bible, it's like, oh, man, I, I just, I don't know how I feel about that because, you know, the Bible talks about, um, you know, someone is even preaching the gospel out of spite. You know, you should be just happy that the gospel is being preached. And so I'm just kind of wrestling with that, I guess. I want to I mean, make sure that my views and my feelings conform to scripture because of how cringe Mike Pence is. I mean, with Pence, 
I mean, he also does a lot of like, I don't know if he thinks it's folksy and like will gain him favor. He'll do the whole thank you for your question, Brett. No. Yeah, Just Brett's question, question sucked all night. You don't need like, to thank him for He that. has to take like 20 seconds to thank he, the audience. He was a slow and, speaker and that drove people nuts. She's like, just answer the question you're being asked. Because it, it does come across as you're stalling to think of what you're actually going to say because you don't know. Like, you're trying to play your audience again. It's not like if you, he did not come across as a good debater in that debate. So we've talked about four candidates so far. The next one we should probably talk about is Tim Scott. Is there really anything to talk about with Tim Scott? I mean, not really. I mean, I call him token Tim because, again, he tries to do the whole rags to riches poverty thing. I mean, he didn't get questioned on his crime bill of letting prisoners out of jail. Now, there there was one or two people that thought Tim Scott won the debate last night. I don't know how they came to that conclusion. But one or two of the people that we were with last night thought Tim Scott won. Yeah, I mean, I don't don't, know how. I don't know what like he came across as very whiny. He tried to sound like a preacher. It just didn't sound, it sounded disingenuine. I mean, I've never really been a fan of Tim Scott. Uh, he, he doesn't really have a whole lot of deep convictions. And again, token Tim, you're basically just a black Republican that they promote because of race. And you get a lot of political benefits because of that. I yeah. mean, maybe he's competing for Trump's VP. I mean, it's a tale as old as time on the in conservative ink is that you promote a black Republican for saying the same thing white people are doing, right, Candace Owens? So uh, Yellowmouth says, I don't remember one thing Tim Scott said, and I watched the debate twice. I mean, he said he was a slow speaker. Well, is he trying to be like Moses? Uh, is, that, he is that what he's about, going for? He talked about his personal poverty. But... Tim Scott is the third. He came in third place in our straw poll last night. So I'm saying there's a chance. Again, um, to me, he his campaign is going it down in flames. And that debate, I mean, a lot of his support is probably going to go to either Chris Christie or Nikki Haley. I don't see him benefiting. Or, he, I mean, he can remain in the race as long as he I mean, I think Some of his support could go to Ron DeSantis. It's going to go to the somewhat it's going to go somewhere but i think he's i don't think his money will continue but again he's a well, sick u.s center so he's going to have stacks he had 60 million to to play with in 2020 and 2022 that was his his election so he has a bunch of fresh money and fresh money from a previous cycle all right so there's a candidate that i'm forgetting that goes before vivek and ramaswamy we did Burgum, asa we haven't done uh, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley. Yeah, we did Nikki Haley oh. and uh, Mike Pence. And then we just did Tim Scott. Okay, so we are on uh, – uh, there's like two more candidates or three more candidates that we haven't talked about. Uh, Ron, and then we did Burgum as well. So, yeah, yeah, Burgum, Asa, Pence, Nikki Haley, Tim Scott. Uh, am I missing someone? Uh, Christy. Chris Christie, yeah, okay. So next one we should talk about is Vivek Ramaswamy. He is next on the chopping list. So I got a proposition for you. Is Vivek Ramaswamy completely astroturfed? And that's not to say he doesn't have talent. Like, he he has a silver tongue. 
But is this campaign merely the subject or the uh, product of conservative ink? I mean, he did try to essentially. And the fact that he has cash. Job. He did try to get a job in conservative ink. Yes. I think that's a major so role. He, he had some sort of deal with the Daily Wire for a podcast, but that fell through. And it, it is clear that, I mean, to me, it's clear that he is kind of a snake and that he he does try to hide what he actually thinks. He does pander to the audience, what the audience, like he basically was going Alex Jones last night. But in the past, you can see that he he's on record, not basically, you know, slamming Trump on January 6th. He believes in climate change. Obviously, he is very pro-vaccine and pro-lockdown policy. So yeah, he does not pass a background check going back two years. As far as like his positions go, he opposed uh, the so-called don't say gay bill in Florida. So he wants kindergartners to learn about sex education, apparently. So I he mean, opposed all these things. And I think it was last week he did the you got to separate the gay from the T. And it's like, no, they're all together. Exactly. I mean, but he's a Hindu. So, you know, he. Uh, what are exactly are his convictions on these issues? Again, for Vivek, again, and I wrote the article back in April, but why has no one talked about Gene Vant science or Gene Vant and how his company, Roy Vant Sciences, well, invested in mRNA technology? Like I said, Fox News did not want to break out the gotcha questions for Vivek Ramaswamy. Like Vivek Ramaswamy is very much tied to Pfizer and their vaccine and his and the patent his company owned was essential to the technology. Like, and no one is bringing this up. And ironically, Stu on the blaze alluded to the fact that he erased that information from his Wikipedia pages, which yes, again, he had his Wikipedia scrubbed. And again, I remember looking at his Wikipedia. It certainly looks scrubbed. And the fact that Gene Vant was not on Voivant Science's Wikipedia page is very suspect. Uh, try doing it in the Wayback Machine should be something there. No, I mean, um, I don't need to do it there because, I mean... The data's already out there. Yeah, you can go to Roy Van Science's website, find the link to, to Gene Vant. So, here's then, the thing about Vivek Ramaswamy. He is basically giving him... He's letting everyone access him. Uh, it doesn't even matter whether it's a hostile interview or not. He will go on any podcast, any TV show, anything that he can get get in on, he's going to get in on. And that because he's allowed people to access him, he's built a, you know, a relationship with conservative Inc that he can come on there and, you know, people will tune in. He's going to, they're going to make more money. Uh, he gets more exposure. He's created a symbiotic relationship with conservative Inc. And therefore they've promoted his campaign uh, as legitimate. They haven't really, you know, they're, they're astroturfing him as a result because he's keeping the industry alive or he's feeding the industry. So, that's what's going on there. And his national poll numbers are a complete result of him being astroturf. I also think a lot of these polls are kind of fake. You know, if there's, you know, Joe, like I said, Joe Biden polling at 38% in a national, in a general election poll. That's or fake. even, or that's even fake. Vivek above uh, DeSantis. If he's below 43, it's, it's fake. Yeah, Vivek over DeSantis is fake. Yeah, I don't buy that for a second. Vivek has no ground game. 
and he doesn't appear presidential and he did not do any favors to win over older voters um because again the average republican primary voter is significantly older than me i have worked primary campaigns before uh you have too um and it's it is not the same crowd you see on twitter you cannot be a social media candidate and vivek ramaswamy is a social media candidate that's my impression of him. And I've seen this before. Social media candidates always lose. So let's just run through some examples for a second. Uh, Donald Trump was a reality TV star. So despite the fact that he used Twitter and could be called the first social media candidate, he was already an established figure with old people, people not on social media before um, a lot of these he other also, people. He also had so, a 2012 stunt. Let, let's go Let's go through a list of some candidates. Uh, Brendan Dilley. Have you ever heard of him? No. He's not the, the egalitarian guy in Texas, right? No. You're, yeah, no. Uh, Brendan Dilley is one of one of the current Trump grifters now. But, he, you know, back in 2017, he was QAnon and all this other stuff. And even, you know, fun fact, it looks cringe in hindsight. But he was even at the time, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm Brendan Dilly, you know, like the Bud Light commercial. You know, yeah, but looking back yeah. now, Bud Light is, you know, pretty gay. And, Billy you know, Dilly and now it's Diddy yeah, Diddy. Exactly. Diddle, if you Diddle. remember that terrible commercial campaign that they did back in the day. So he tried to astroturf that he was winning in the primary. It was a special election in the state of Arizona. It was a congressional seat. I can't remember who's actually sitting in the seat uh, now, but it's a state senator that is an Arizona state senator ran in that special election and crushed it. And she's, I think, a member of the Freedom Caucus. I could be wrong about that, but I think she has a substantially good record. But Brendan Dilley ran and it was a crowded primary because it was a Republican seat. It was a strong red district and it was an open seat because someone either died or immediately retired or something like that. So it was an open seat, special election. 12 people go into that primary. Brendan Dilley had fake polls saying that he was winning the primary. He came in 11th place in that primary. And then we have uh, Austin Peterson. He is a prominent YouTuber on, in the libertarian space now. He ran as a, he ran for president in 2016 under the Libertarian Party ticket, social media candidate then too. And then he ran for Senate and he ran against Josh Hawley. Josh Hawley won that primary. And I was wrong about that race at the time. This is 2018. Uh, Austin Peterson was a social media candidate, did not have a ground game, got like 12 to 14% of the vote, I think. And that was a crowded primary as well. Josh Hawley won that race and crush it. So social media is not real life in campaigns. It, it is a completely different ecosystem. Maybe, you know, 10 to 15 years from now, it'll be a different story. But as of right now, you need ground game. You need to know people and you need local endorsements. And so those are some of my lessons from working in politics. Vivek Ramaswamy has none of that. He does not have a ground game. He does not have key endorsements and uh, he has money 
and he has media connections. And those are the only things keeping his campaign afloat because it, Perry Johnson has money. But he, he did, he's not getting conservative media to ask for turf his campaign. That's the difference between Vivek Ramaswamy and Perry Noble. And I mean, and then the other thing is with Vivek, I mean, the charm and the whole the shtick, it does wane. So he has kind of a depreciating value. The more you see him, the probably the less you'd like him. I don't know. Again, I, I don't understand how you don't kind of get the feeling is he kind of lying? Is he hiding something? Maybe he's a little more slimy because he again, he's a very smooth talker, but sometimes he's a little too smooth. And he sounds like it. Like this one lady last night was saying, um, Vivek, talking about Vivek, he doesn't sound like he knows what he's talking about. And then she sounds like she has a big mouth and talking about Nikki Haley. <laughs> so that was just one of the repeated comments last night from some of the people that, you know, you're, I was with, we were with. And, you know, Vivek did not do any favors to actually ingratiate himself with the actual Republican voters. I think his campaign is incredibly astroturfed and I think he's going to get single digits in the Iowa caucus. That's my prediction. Hold me to it. Single digits. So any other comments on the Vivek? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll go through some chat here. Uh, Vivek. Uh, for most in Black Bear says Vivek is there to promote his cause, right? The anti ESG financial thing. Well, he's doing he's doing this instead of running for president or he's doing running for president instead of doing that. I mean, I, I think he'd be more useful if he were in the anti ESG fight, but he's not. I mean, the problem with him being anti ESG is he like he's in one clip saying he's pro climate change. And the next, he, on the stage, he says that climate change is a hoax. And, and you can't and be supposing uh, you can't be anti ESG unless you're anti the E in ESG, which is environmental. What about the social thing? Since he's not all that socially conservative, if you're attacking Ron DeSantis over the uh, Florida bill. But again, if you're not going to S, if you're not going to attack the climate narrative, then you aren't any. You're not positioning yourself to attack ESG as a as a policy. Uh, Yellowmouth says the smile he gave when he was caught copying Obama was super creepy. And there's a clip. So basically with that, that exchange was similar to the exchange between Ronald Reagan. And actually he had a lot of moments like this that were similar to the exchange between Ronald Reagan and Walter Mondale, Walter Mondale, or someone tried to bring up Ronald Reagan's age and Ronald Reagan flipped it right back on Walter Mondale and brought up his youth as a testament to his lack of experience. So, and I think there's a still like a famous picture from that debate of Walter Mondale even laughing at himself because he knew he got owned. And then come election day, he got owned. Um, and that's kind of what a little bit of how a lot of older people might see that exchange between uh, Chris Christie and Vivek Ramaswamy, that he is Walter Mondale. He doesn't have experience. He's youthful and full of energy, which is good. But if you haven't done anything, it's all talk. And, and it's not going to fly well at all. Uh, and then Charles points out he's allegedly, he allegedly has ties to the World Economic Forum and also George Soros, just to add to that. 
Yeah, fun fact is when Ron Santos was uh, dropping George Soros's name, I mean, you could kind of hear Brett Baer puff into the microphone a bit. So like, as if he was about to cut off Ron DeSantis for that comment. Uh, Andrew Costa asked, did Vivek confirm he didn't want to send money to Israel? I think he walked that back last night. I wasn't quite sure if he was saying I want to reduce it and focus more at home. So or I got a total zero. I, I was talking to a Republican that said he wouldn't support Vivek anymore because of his stance on Israel. Take that for what? Again, yeah. boomer, he, boomer. Well, uh, a little bit different than boomer. Um, and then I don't, I think he kind of walked that back last night, but this was during the exchange where I think Nikki Haley talked about how America needs Israel. Like, no, we don't. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Uh, for most in Black Bear says social money does social media money does make a difference. I mean, it's gotten Vivek as far as it's gotten him, but we have not counted any votes yet. So he's astroturfed himself, but can he astroturf himself into getting a ground game? And so far, the answer has been a demonstrable no. And he, he hasn't gotten endorsements. He hasn't built a ground game. He's just giving people entertainment. Uh, what is your opinion on his comments about 9-11? I, I mean, I appreciate it. He, I didn't watch what he said. So I mean, I appreciate more. it, but he didn't go far enough. I mean, he kind of just said, oh, okay, the 9-11 commission didn't give us the full story. He goes into a little bit about the Saudi Arabian lawsuit, which is a real thing. Now, what it is he a does, real thing. So basically that there's this Saudi dude that was basically a intelligence operative for Saudi Arabia, who was basically the, I guess, the sponsor of the hijackers. So he goes into that. I mean, he doesn't mention that during Obama's presidency, it was actually one of the 10 to 12 bills Obama vetoed during his presidency was a, was basically the 9-11 bill as it was called that allows that allowed the lawsuit to go forward because there's the joint state sponsored terrorism act that you can get a waiver for so that you can sue a foreign country for terrorism. So he doesn't necessarily mention that. I mean, it's good that someone's bringing this up in politics because 9-11 is how we got COVID, the Patriot Act, and basically a lot of the deep state. But but obviously it probably doesn't sell well with boomers. It's not, it's not good for your campaign to do that. And that's why he's not really running to be president. He's running to advance his career. In whatever direction, I think it's media space. He wants to be in media, or maybe he wants to be in a cabinet position. But, but that's how people. That's how the average person sees him. Is he's going to be? He's good for the cabinet, or maybe he should run for governor or senate. There's an open senate seat in Ohio. He lives in Ohio. He could run for senate in Ohio, unseat Sherrod Brown, and you know do something, have a record. But that's not what he wants to do. Yeah, I mean, again, if you want another reason to hate Mike Pence, I'm pretty sure he went after Vivek for the 9-11 comments because, you know. And then uh, Yellamoth uh, does the quote, I will not let anyone use his youth and inexperience against him. Uh, exactly. Um, let me check on the rum Rumble side of things. Uh, someone says that Rumble's app is better than YouTube's app because you don't have to pay $20 a month to browse my phone and listen to video live stream at the same time. That's a selling point for Rumble. Like Rumble is okay. a serious platform. It's just not 
it's just not good on a creator standpoint. It's not good on a search standpoint, but it is a legitimate platform compared to all the other streamers out there. Like it's YouTube, Twitch, and Rumble are like your top three streaming platforms um, in terms of eyeballs. So I think that's a good thing. Uh, so that's kind of my final thoughts on Vivek. I was going to write an article like basically calling him AstroTurfed because I I, th I think his his social media prowess is not going to translate well to the primary election. I don't think it's going to translate and it's not translating already because he's not getting any endorsements. And again, he's trying to get on every single podcast that he can. And guess what? He's not going to be able to leverage that same opportunity come December, November, January break in the lead up to the caucus. So why wouldn't he? Well, I don't think he's going to because Joe Rogan can say, I already had you on last year. Um, PBJ, whatever his name is with value team. And he can already say, I already had you on last year. Same with Tim pool. So, I mean, he's burning, like he's blowing a well, lot of Tim pool hates Ron DeSantis. I don't know why. Cause he's not honest about his real reasons. But, it, I mean, it, he comes across as very amateurish on politics, but that's just. Uh, and but, I mean, then, he's getting a lot of his media or his media appearances out now that I don't think he will be able to have later. So, I mean, Chicken Soup Lover says Vivek is a chameleon. Yeah. I agree. I agree. He knows what audience he's speaking to. And that's why last night he tried to be Donald Trump. On no, I, stage. Thought he was, I thought he was going more Alex Jones. He tried to be discount Donald Trump. I that was okay. You think Alex Jones? I think he was trying to be discount Donald Trump uh, and just be combative with everyone. And I don't think that plays well. Uh, and Chicken Soup Lover follows it up. He says, Whatever is popular in the moment, the only reason he's anti Israel is because the online right is exactly social media. It, my, you know, I'm not, not am I anti Israel? I mean, the flag behind me is uh, the flag of the uh, Kingdom of Jerusalem, which should properly be reestablished, I guess. So I guess that makes me anti-Israel. I mean, I'm neutral. I'm, but you know. I I know Israel's history pretty well. And, you know, I don't begrudge them for conquering the Golan Heights or the West Bank or the Gaza Strip. I don't begrudge them for doing that at all. That's not my issue with Israel as a nation. My issue is that they have an outsized influence and they lobby and they are given free passes for grotesque behavior like attacking the USS Liberty or sending spies to the United States and stuff like that. So they can do hostile actions against the United States and completely get away with it because they're putting a uh, trafficking operation in the Virgin Islands. Allegedly. Allegedly. Jeffrey Epstein being allegedly Mossad. So uh, does, uh, and then Formosa and Black Bear says, does Israel defend Soros? I don't really know, but I'm I mean, pretty sure if you're, you, if know, they you claim that you're Jewish, then they, they don't free pass. If they don't, then their surrogates do. So, I mean, like Fox uh, News. There, there was a video of him six months ago affirming man-made climate change. And just last night he said it was a hoax. Exactly. Yeah. He is a liar. So you can't trust anything he says. And then he's a Hindu. You can't trust what um, what exactly they say. Uh, hey, Greg. Uh, Greg says they stole it from the Arabs. 
I disagree. It should be British land. I think the British mandate should have never ended. So that's my position on that. And then Britain would have Christianized it. Like, total mistake for all involved to end the British mandate. Let the, like, decolonization was a mistake. It made the world a worse place. Now you have all the people from the people that were decolonized going into Europe when you could have brought the Europe to them. And then you wouldn't have mass immigration. You wouldn't have, you would have countries in their golden age. They would be much quicker. Uh, they would be much more d developed economically. Like decolonization made the world a worse place. Um, it was a giant mistake for the West. And it, I, I think that's what history has shown. So that that's my thought on the whole Israel thing. Like don't end the British mandate. The British mandate was fine. So, uh, We'll catch you later, uh, Chicken Soup. Uh, 